Welcome to Surfcast. Thank you for joining me. My guests today are Miguel and Maria Alvarez. I'm pretty sure I did not pronounce that right. They will fix that when they join us on the air. We're delighted to have our friends from Guatemala and a bunch of other places that they've been, and we'll be right back. Dr. Alvarez, and that applies to both of you guys, right? Because it's Miguel and Maria. Did I get it right this time, Maria? Yes, you got it right. I'm, I'm actually impressed with myself because when we had a class with Sabipka earlier in the semester and you were my translator, I got it wrong about every day, right? No, you got it right. <laughs> See, that's a mom and a grandma talking, right, Miguel? So let me get to the official stuff. So you're a bishop in the Church of God. You are the president of um, Seminario, Seminario Biblico Pentecostal Centroamericano. Yeah, we for short, we call it Sabipka, right? That's right? correct. And you're a professor there as well? Yes, I teach. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, prior to that, you guys were in the Philippines, right? Working with another school there. Which school was that? It's the Asian Seminary of Christian Ministries of the Church of God in the Philippines. And before that, you were? Well, we've been to different places, uh, um, we were pastors in Honduras for many years. We were uh, assigned to be missionaries to the Philippines for Asia Pacific. Uh, then we moved to the U.S. Uh, we came here to, to, to study and then to um, do some mission work. And uh, we were asked to be a, a bishop for the churches, for the Latino churches in the Northeast. Nice. And then so we've been around for nice. some time. But your real claim to fame, all right, uh, Maria, is the fact that you are a mom of four kids and a Lola and, how, how do you say this, Lola and Lola. Lola, Lola and Lolo. Yes. Lola and Lolo, uh -huh. which is Filipino for grandparents, right? That's right. And so you have five grandchildren. So I just, um, my third just showed up at our place, right? So he's, um, you know, Grant's going to be like four weeks old, and we have Everly and Elijah. So my wife and I go by Grana and Papa, uh -huh. and so we love that. So uh, let's talk about that for just a minute. So you have um, four children, and some of them are Lee alums, right? Or they went to Lee and, and, uh, yes. and graduated Lee. Yes, our two oldest ones uh, studied at Lee in the 90s. I think they graduated around the year 2000 or so. And um, <clears throat> Daniel, our oldest, was uh, part of the baseball team when it began. And nice. uh, Michelle was a, a graduate from the English department. So they had a good time while they were here. They yeah. enjoyed it a lot. How old are your grandkids? Uh, the oldest one is 10. Okay. And then we have an 8, uh, 6, and 4. So my son had them, you know, nice. one after the other. And the youngest is 2 years old. Wow. She lives in Chicago. Wow. <laughs> Now, you guys are in the States for just a few more days, and then you go back to Guatemala, right? Yeah, we're preparing to go back uh, Saturday, okay. uh, this coming Saturday. So hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll be all right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so COVID has kind of messed the whole world up. We're all aware of that. I'm, I'm about <clears throat> tired, really, of talking about COVID, but it's just what it is, you know. Um, previously, I was able to be on site with you guys when I, when I taught a class for Sabipka this year. We had to do it online. You know, Miguel, tell me, um, what what are you seeing happening right now for students that are 
you know, previously caught in this idea of they love the community, they love the classroom engagement, they love the interaction, and then they're cast into this whole idea of online education and online learning. Talk a little bit about that. You know, what are you seeing happening in that world? Well, there's it's been a lot of challenges on this because uh, students, of course, especially the young ones, they want to be together. But obviously for this particular situation, they can't do that, so they have to... Um, readjust to uh, their life and relationships and everything at school. So in our case, we had to send them back home. Uh, we had to, we were locked for about probably eight months. Mm-hmm. Nothing at all happening on campus. So after that, um, they little by little we have con- we have uh, continued to get them back. Uh, but we still half are at school and half are at home. But uh, that's the way it is. Uh, but the school is moving forward. Uh, we haven't lost a single student. Mm. Uh, that's that's the better news. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have continued to, they have continued to persevere. Uh, also, the uh, pandemic has not affected us uh, in the seminary. We have not been reported to have any personnel affected by it That's except good. for some relatives close relatives that which has been good mm-hmm. uh, Maria tell me what are you what are you seeing in the students in your classroom right so how long have you been teaching what do you teach well I've been a teacher since um, 1979 <laughs> as I began as an English teacher nice. teaching ESL and um, then, of course, in the Philippines, uh, <clears throat> I taught Christian education. We both uh, graduated from PTS, mm-hmm. uh, and so I, I was teaching there. And um, so, in a way, you know, we've been, as we go from place to place, we both teach or, you know, are involved in education. Um, <clears throat> and that the students at Sevipka are very, uh, very sweet students, actually, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. a lot of them come from rural backgrounds. Then we have some from Central America, the other countries. And uh, they are very committed, you know, to serve God. They don't have a lot of material things. Right. They are sometimes very poor, but they are, you know, they have their heart for God and they want to serve God. So that is what is amazing about them, Mm -hmm. that in spite of not having a lot of material things, they have a heart for God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, over my life, my short life, um, well, 57 years, you know, I've traveled to, I think the count now is maybe 28 or 29 countries. I only speak English. You speak like four languages, Miguel. It's okay, you know, but I only butcher English and that's my native language. Um, but in all my travels, you know, I, I've been able to see, um, you know, a lot of folks like you're describing, Lorea, you know, who have just lack and less and lack and less but yet their passion. And so I kind of relate it to this whole idea of maybe a woe that we see in the U.S. of God seems to be uh, uh, an afterthought so many times, whereas in some of these locations, you know, God is their first source, their primary source, their main source, because they don't have much stuff. You know, what are you seeing in that regard of of people who, who don't have a lot of the world excess? Man, their passion burns hot, you know, um, because I think we're going to see another revival, Miguel. I think we're going to see God move in that way. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think uh, when you look at the context, uh, whatever you are, uh, whether you are in Latin America or you are in Europe or Asia, whatever, uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you see at the context, and people make adjustments, and they look at what they, whatever they have and whatever they don't. Uh, we've been around the world and into different locations. Uh, we have been able to adjust to the context. And we realize, well, this is what we can have here, and this is what we cannot have. Mm. So we have to make the adjustments. If we can have this, let's get this. If we cannot have this, let's forget about it. You know, it's just like that. But with regards to um, the message that we bring in, um, basically it's the same thing. You know, we got to speak faith, and we got to talk about uh, looking after God and looking after Jesus and all of that. Uh, that in the, undoubtedly we have different ways to present it, but um, whatever the reality is in the local context, people have to make adjustments and understand to understand what what the Lord really means to them in that particular place. Let me probe a little bit on that. Let me let me dig a little <laughs> deeper with that content that context because I. I love what you're saying here. You know, some things you can have and some things you can't have. You know, the Apostle Paul talked about, you know, sometimes I don't eat this, you know, because I don't want to be offensive, but yet this, you know, um, is an issue of those resources are not just available or the discipline issue of it's just not frugal, it's just not good for me to have that luxury or that benefit in this context. Well, it sometimes it goes beyond that either, even uh, yeah. sometimes is cultural uh, yeah. like uh, you look at simple stuff like the food uh, there are things that I can eat there the things I would like to eat here from there but I can't have them here there's gotcha. no way to find them here and likewise if, if I go back there and I I don't find things that I can have here only things that they have there mm-hmm. so uh, it's like that I love, uh, when I'm there in, in, in Quetzaltenango, I love my baguette in the morning with yep. the shake that my wife prepares <laughs> so well. I love it. I can have it every day. But I can't have that one here. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. I can have it, but it's a different version. It's a sure. different flavor. It's a different bread. It's a different sure. thing. It, 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 it changes. And so coming to the point on that is like, you know, every place is unique. Mm-hmm. And... I think God has unique ways to relate to them, to those people too. And so, likewise, uh, we need to find ways to be meaningful in that particular situation, in that particular context. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the way I can put it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love what you're saying, you know, and I do think that a lot of times, you know, we let our desire and our wants, you know, I kind of get tagged in this whole conversation about, you know, preference. It seems like that the world... You know, they have their preference. They want this and they want that. And and really, it's not about that. The Galatians 2 and 20 principle is really about, you know, the crucifixion of my own life, the mm-hmm. crucifixion of Christ, my death coming, he coming alive in me. You know, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Um, you're a mom, obviously. You're a grandmom, Alola, right, Lola? Alola. Alola. Um, what are you seeing from 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 the mom perspective about the hunger of young people in the world today, and even some of the struggles that that we need to be both praying for and trying to help them? Maria, you know what you talked earlier about the sweetness of the the, the, the students, you know, that come there. But what do you you know what what are you seeing as a mom? What what are some of the alerts that 
other moms that are listening to this, you know, that could be some prayer targets and, and things like that. Does that make sense? Yes. I, uh, I think that, uh, you know, the world today, young people, what they're exposed to, maybe social media has a lot of influence. Yeah. Um, and uh, so when you travel, uh, as we've traveled, you know, across cultures, you can see that all young people, even if uh, uh, they're, <laughs> they all have their phone, they all have, you know, their laptops, so they are exposed to <clears throat> new ways, let's say, of um, which makes them sometimes walk away from God. Mm -hmm. So I think that definitely um, moms are the only ones who can really pray for their children. Mm -hmm. I mean, they go to school, they have friends, uh, but no one is really going to pray for your children. Mm -hmm. So I think that uh, that is a, a heavy burden for moms, you know, mm -hmm. to pray for them because there's so many uh, uh, variety of ways to rebel from God now. Uh, this is just very, you know, different, like from, from when we were growing up. Sure. Uh, I think uh, the choices were a little more limited, but now it's like, you know, there's so many things that are open, so many doors uh, that I think can lead our children astray or can lead our children to, to forget about the basics of the Word of God. Mm -hmm. So I think that definitely uh, as mothers, we have a burden to pray, mm -hmm. even for our grandchildren. I remember... Uh, there was a teacher here at Lee many years ago, Dr. Beach. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to a conference in which he said how he much he prayed and that he prayed more and more for his grandchildren because he would not be around. Wow. So he said, I really pray more and more for my grandchildren. So that, you know, stuck uh, with me. And um, definitely it's um, it should be, I think, a priority in our lives as parents to, to pray for our children because no one else is going to pray for them. Like we can pray, mm -hmm. and and I I'm feeling that burden now as a as a papa. You know I'm feeling that, and so Everly, my uh, oldest grandchild. You know she's um, she's so fun, and so now every time I'm with them when they leave, I pray the number six, twenty four through twenty six. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord set His countenance upon you. The Lord be gracious unto you. The Lord give you peace. And and Everly now every time I'll say let's pray as I'm walking her to the car to put her in the car seat. You know. And Miguel, she'll tuck her little face right in the side of my neck, you know, and she'll wrap her arms around me. And she's so reverent as I pray that prayer. And so I, I pray it so, you know, intentionally and just a little bit slower than I normally talk. And when we finish, she throws her hands in the air and she says, amen. You know, and I thought, man, sometimes we may not get accessibility to the people that we can hold and pray but aren't we thankful that God's not limited by time or space when we pray? That's true. One of, one of the beautiful things is that uh, regardless of the situation, whatever you are, you're free to pray. Yeah. Um, I do. Um, every, every time I go walking, I do my walking mostly almost every day. And only when I'm exhausted, I, I just try not to. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but if I have a chance... Uh, mostly in the evening, I go to walk, and, and and my favorite thing doing when I when I walk is praying, and I do my prayers and I talk to the Lord, and it's really something that really brings meaning to, mm -hmm. you know, you do you exercise, you do that, but prayer is a discipline I think that we need to work on pretty much at this, mm -hmm. part, this particular time, especially. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. So, what are what are the challenges? Because sometimes when I pray. Man, every imaginable distraction shows up, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. and it's like I got to do this and I got to do that. You know, so um, 
I, I want to ask your age, Miguel, because I, I think it's honorable. How old are you, sir? 65. 65, all right. I'm not going to ask you what your age on the three are, but I, but I do know you guys have been married for 44 years. But, but at 65, you've had plenty of prayers that have been not answered, plenty of prayers that have been answered, and no doubt plenty, plenty of times that you've prayed that have been kind of challenging or frustrating for you. Give us your model. How, how do you remain disciplined with all your busy schedule to go out, make that walk, make that conversation with God, because people that are listening to us come from 30-something countries, you know, and they're listening to us today with a lot of different things in their life. What, what's your secret to a, a committed prayer life? I think it's a matter of commitment. Um, you're committed to a person. Mm-hmm. You're committed to God. And you relate to Him. You have your own way to relate to Him. I do speak to him many ways in many in in different situations. Uh, I don't have to be kneeling. I don't have to be in a prayer mood like you know people think that you you have to kneel be kneeling to pray or you have to go into a special room and and, and do that in a lonely place. I don't do that, uh, but I do talk to the Lord all the time, mm-hmm. and I have my own way. Um, by driving, um talking to him if I am doing something I'm, I'm praying I'm praying uh, the spiritual life has many ways to go through the spiritual life spirituality is something that is part of us whether we want to admit it or not we are we, we were made spiritual individuals mm-hmm. and uh, there's a certain thing in our life that needs to be nurtured in this case is our spiritual life and that comes through with our personal relationship with the Lord. But I, like I said earlier, it is a commitment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are related to this person. It's uh, for eternity. It's the Lord. It's Him. And you need to know, get to know Him and talk mm-hmm. to Him and, and find a way. Of course, there are times when you pray and ask for something and never happen. And you have to understand that that's God's answer too. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you pray for something and the Lord does give it to you. And, mm-hmm. But He wants us. He wants us to talk to Him. I think mm-hmm. that's an important thing. That's awesome, but Rhea, I'm, I'm not going to ask you what your age is, but I am going to. I am going to say, <laughs> you were 15 when you married this guy, <laughs> so right? 15, so people can add. And you're younger than him for sure. We will gladly say that today. You know, I, I would not recommend any 15-year-old getting married today. Um, <laughs> but what I do celebrate... They would put me in jail if I tried exactly to do that. That's exactly right. So my wife and I have been married. Uh, this year, I think we hit... You said that this year you guys are headed to 44. This year we're headed to 34. Um, what's the secret to, uh, you know, let, let's expose the secret here. What's the secret to being able to have a fruitful... Um, long, enjoyable, faithful marriage. What's the what's the secret to that? Uh, well, you all were talking about commitment. Yep. So I think definitely commitment, you know, is very, very important. And I think that also, um, you, you hear it often, but you s- people say, you know, Jesus should be in that marriage. There's, there's a third person. Yep. And Jesus, you know, guides your decisions. Uh, of course, sometimes there may be times when you don't agree with the other person, but it's not time to sit and, you know, let's say, um, 
have a big discussion about it, but lay it, put it in the hands of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, other times, you know, you will agree on things and everything, and but other times when you cannot agree, it's better to just take time to pray. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that has been very important. And of course, uh, the love of family, you know, it just comes natural. And um, to be committed, to pray, to... Uh, just be be concerned about the other's needs. Mm-hmm. For example, now that we're older, I kind of care for Miguel's health. You know, I, I care how he's doing. And I think Get out, go walking, pray to Jesus. <laughs> I need a break. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, well, sometimes, you know, that's important too. I think wives need girl time. And the guys, for example, Miguel loves sports. And yeah. you know, our sons and... And let's say I don't like sports so much. I mean, you know, I'm not into that. But then <laughs> I have time, with, let's say, with my sisters or yeah. friends. So, yes, you both need time for yourselves sure. once in a while. <laughs> sure. I like how you say, so you're watching out for his health. You know, that, that that's really cool. What does that mean, Miguel? What does she mean by watching out for your health? You can only have one baguette this morning instead of three? I mean, what's the deal here, guy? Well, I think she's very good at that. Uh, keeps me in a good balance on my vitamins and all of that. It's always reminding me, you know, you should eat this and you should, should not eat this, all the things, all the stuff and like that. She's uh, always good and cooking stuff that is really balanced. Yeah. So that's that that away, and uh, I think I think ever since I got married, uh, my life changed uh, in many ways. My habits, my diet, <laughs> and everything, and uh, I'm different. Yeah, uh, I think uh, you can talk about. I can say that uh, marriage is also transforming, mm-hmm. and uh, it has done that for me mm-hmm. in many ways. <laughs> My my wife and I, we laugh about the fact that, um, so my clothes didn't match before we got married, right? And so it's like, I would just put on clothes because, I mean, I needed to have clothes on. And so it was like, I didn't care about the fact that they, they didn't match. They weren't cool, you know, and this shirt didn't go with this color and this color. So slowly, my wife, um, after we were married, um, I would see new things showing up in the closet and old things would be disappearing, right? I, I think I have one pair of pants that I had when we when we were married. Everything else is just kind of like my clothes were all gone and the new stuff showed up because um, it just wasn't stylish, you know. So I think we learned that thing. I want to talk for a few minutes. We, we have a few minutes left on this episode. I want to talk about um, spiritual fathers for just a minute, you know, because in the spiritual spiritual moms and spiritual fathers, spiritual Lolas and, 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 and Lolo. And, and so, you know, you're 65, you're a spiritual father, um, Tell us, Miguel, what are you seeing God doing right now in the kingdom? What are you seeing God doing in the church? You know, what are you seeing God doing in the lives of of, 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 of young people? And what do we need to be focusing on in a world that has so many competing interests that are vying for our attention all the time? As a father, as a grandfather, biologically, but as a spiritual leader, a spiritual father... What do you see? Well, first of all, I, I see God very active in the world today. I like that. Uh, I think uh, God is really, really active like never before. He's changing us all. He's changing the whole thing. Uh, we are going to see a new world. For those who are, will may have the blessing to still be alive after this pandemic, we'll be able to see a different world. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, even the the way that the patterns of society are going to change. 
And I think God is, as an active God, he's an active father. And just like you mentioned, as a father, he has an active role on his children. And mm. I think he's delivering very clear messages of what he wants his children to do and how, how he wants his children to be. I think that's a very important thing. Uh, we have lived in a society that, in a way, has neglected that kind of relationship with God. And um, in church, at some point, I think we were kind of deluded in so many things and not paying attention to what was the word of authority, the role of authority, the role of parenthood, the role of all of that. Even if I am a child, how I should act as a child of, mm -hmm. of in this case, a child of God and child in my family too. So it's a time for us to reconsider all of those things, uh, think about them, uh, look at our role in this world. Um, I, I can tell you, I, 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 there is a man that I see as a spiritual father to me. Uh, he's still alive. He lives in Cleveland, Tennessee, of all places. And uh, I mean, you know, I see that as a, that man as a, as a father, mm -hmm. spiritually. And I think uh, we all need somebody, a figure like that, that can really show something like that will be inspiring to us. Mm -hmm. uh, in church, also, we need that. And I, I see that in our family, too, you know, for children. They need to see a role model. And I think one of the crises that our world has experienced in recent years is to have not to have the right role, uh, role models or have crisis in that particular mm -hmm. area of life. So mm -hmm. something like that. There's so much to say, but uh, I can focus on those particulars. You know, I like as at, at 65, I like the fact that you say, you know, I still have a spiritual mentor in my life. You know, I still have a, a spiritual father. What does a spiritual father look like to you? Well, you don't have to tell us who this is, but tell us what this relationship looks like. You know, does he reach out? Does he encourage you? You know, um, because accountability is a huge issue. You know, a lot of different variables that come to play there. I, I would go deep into the um, effects of that relationship. Um, you see strength. Mm -hmm. You see uh, balance. You see a person that works and abide by principles. Mm -hmm. A person that, even though may may not be right, because you know, as we get older, the the young generation think that we are wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, until they get older and they realize that maybe we were not completely wrong, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then. Then you realize this person knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. He knows what uh, it means, what life actually means to him and, and to, to this person. And then you look at how these people have managed their life and live by their principles and how God has, you know, led the, the way through. It, it doesn't mean that they were perfect people, that they never made mistakes. Mm -hmm. They did. And mm -hmm. they were not perfect, but they were people that, uh, always live by the principles and, and abide by them. So mm -hmm. I think that's a very critical point in our society now. We may not be perfect fathers. We may not be uh, good individuals. I mean, 100% would never be, would not, but definitely 
we are people who follow after Christ, try to look at uh, principles that will make a difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think uh, I can say that. Mm -hmm. I, I appreciate that, and I, I do think that, um, you know, the Paul and Timothy principle is pretty true, you know. Um, I think it was heard once said, you know, that we need two people in our lives at least, at minimal. We need somebody who's pouring into our life, and we need somebody that we're pouring into their life, you know, and that kind of relationship then becomes... Um, where people, you know, develop and mature. Everybody wants to talk about leadership, you know, and everybody seems to, you know, have a bend towards leadership in a lot of ways. Um, and I think that, you know, the fact that leadership is more relational than it is positional mm -hmm. is a key factor for us. And too often we, we look at leadership as positional, and I think the church sees us a lot of time when it really is at the base of relationships, you know, and that you can lead from any level, anywhere, anytime, you know, if you model that. Maria, talk to us for the, the just a few minutes left. Talk to us about your your faith journey. I, I've I've been around you a little bit and you you have a real passion to believe what the book says. And you have a real desire to want others to know the Jesus that you know. Surely there's been a challenge along the way. How have you endured the journey? Um, and, and give us your favorite scripture from the book. Well, <laughs> well there are many favorite scriptures. Uh, but I think that, uh, you know, uh, in Honduras we came to a Pentecostal church, yeah. the Church of God. So uh, it was a very small church, and, you know, we were surrounded by prayer, by people crying at the altar, and uh, I think it has been the word that has sustained me all my life mm -hmm. as a young convert, even, you know, before uh, getting married to Miguel. And in my family, we saw miracles. And my, my mother was a woman of faith. One of her favorite scriptures is, nothing is impossible for God. Mm -hmm. And she would even have uh, something like, a, uh, she would stamp that on her correspondence, you know, her letters. So I think that um, throughout life, wherever we've been in different cultures, the human heart is pretty much the same. Mm. There are needs, there are, you know, there's pain in the human heart. And so we've been able to see that across different cultures, maybe in different ways expressed. So you realize that it is God's word that uh, ministers to people. Uh, you know, sometimes you just have to listen with your ears. I mean, I mean, listen with your heart, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Listen with your heart to what people's heart is really saying, so what somebody is in pain. And you realize that it's God's word. You don't have to, you know, preach a lot, but just say the, the right words at the right time mm -hmm. or the spirit, you know, how the spirit leads you. So, uh, you know, our life or my life has not been perfect in the sense that there's been ups and downs. God sometimes has not answered specifically a certain prayer. But, you know, when there is discouragement or when there is uh, uh, sadness, uh, God always is always there. So mm -hmm. really, especially when I was a missionary in the Philippines, we were so far away from home that that was when my prayer life, you know, got a little more, did it say, a little deeper because I would write out my prayers every day or I would just uh, have a devotional day after the kids left for school. So there I learned to depend much more on God's Word. And ever since, I think it's been like that. Mm -hmm. I, I, wherever I go, and you know, we don't carry our titles to a new place or we're so-and-so or we're this and this, but we just carry, uh, try to carry, I think, uh, you know, to be more like Jesus wherever. And mm -hmm. uh, 
And it takes time to build relationships in new contexts and new places. But mm. I think eventually the people catch on, you know, that it's all about Jesus. So, yeah. so I just love God. I love Jesus. I love his word. You know? I, I, I appreciate the tone of this conversation so much because you guys have pages and pages of accolades and pages and pages of accomplishments. But yet you're just listening to the raw, real people, Maria and Miguel, who say, God planted me here, and I'm going to do what I'm doing here, and then when I go there, I'm going to do what I'm doing there. So, Miguel, closing thoughts. Um, what have you read lately? What are you reading right now? What's a book that you think everybody needs to read? Not the Bible. <laughs> that's the best one, of course, you know, but um, as an educator and a, a leader, you're, you're reading. So what, 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 have you, what have you read recently? You know, I was reading because um, I've been, I wrote a book, Okay. And I think I needed to read it again. Nice. <laughs> nice. Tell us about this book. Uh, I wrote a book. It's called Beyond Borders. Yep. Uh, it's about mission, holistic mission. And uh, uh, it's published by CPT Press. Okay. Right nearby. And um, I thought, you know, I was teaching about, I was teaching a course on that, on that particular book. Nice. And then I look at it and I said, you know, I need to reread this again, <laughs> redo it again. Yeah. Of course, but um, um, there's another book that uh, really impacted me. Uh, it was uh, uh, Thinking in the Spirit, uh, Thinking in Tones mm -hmm. uh, by J.A.K. Smith. Uh, really, I think it was a very good book <laughs> that I, I came across with that. And... Um, Hopefully, uh, there will be more people reading stuff like that mm -hmm. that can really help. Mm -hmm. I'm Pentecostal, <clears throat> and uh, uh, I hear that a lot of things about Pentecostals, but uh, I'm Pentecostal by experience and by, mm -hmm. by, by, by not just by belief, but mm -hmm. I, I, I live by that. And, and I think that's what has made a big difference in our lives. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I don't shy away from that at all. You know, mm -hmm. I, I was raised in the Pentecostal tradition. Um, I tell people that I'm a Christian not because I was raised in a Christian home, but I'm a Christian because I chose the life of a relationship with God. Um, but being raised in a Christian home sure brought me to an awareness, you know, that I that I really needed. And so um, we have listeners from all over the globe. Um, I know you speak multiple languages. And so I want um, each of you to pray. We have just a couple of minutes left here. And so I want, I want you to pray first, Miguel, and then I want um, you to pray, Maria, because I believe that to have the two of you in this room, you know, um, we need to honor our mothers and fathers. We need to appreciate and value them. But I believe that um, somebody's listening to us today that will hear this episode and they will hear it maybe another six months down the road or they may catch it a year later. Um, and God has a way of putting us in the right place at the right time for some connections that, you know, we can pray and that God can touch people. And so um, at the end of this prayer, we're going to pull another, uh, we haven't done this in a while on Servcast. At the end of this prayer, we're going to pull a um, Lee You Worship tune, and we want you to kind of meditate and think about what God might be speaking to you. Um, I'll give my closing thoughts now, then we'll go to your prayer, Miguel, and your your prayer. Uh, Maria, and then and then we'll we'll put that Lee you worship tune tune on, guys. I'm so delighted that you joined us today. I appreciate you. your time. Thank I appreciate you. your energy. Mm -hmm. um, I'm excited to get to let our listeners hear 
a little bit about your story. If they want to reach out to you, how do they reach out to you? What's a you got a website or an email or something like that that someone can reach out to you? <laughs> well, we are in social media. We are in Facebook. Perfect. We are in Twitter. We okay, perfect. Uh, I always go by Miguel Alvarez. Okay, um, I'm a Church of God missionary. Perfect. So it's easy to get through. Yeah, and if somebody wants to donate to help ministry, so reach out to you. That'll be a huge blessing. Yeah, right? we got a sabibka.org. Sabibka.org. You got it. So, um, <laughs> hey, guys, as I tell you often on Surfcast, you're made for more. Somebody needs what you can offer today. So be sure to be salt and light in a chaotic world. Be sure to look and listen. God has opportunities available for you if you will make yourself available to him. Um, let God touch you through these prayers today and then meditate on God's presence as we close out this episode of Surfcast. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your presence today. Thank you for our lives and pray for everyone that's listening today that you'll be there to speak to them, to their needs and minister to them. Thank you for the word of encouragement and the word of peace that you offer to us even in these times as we move forward. We thank you for your blessings in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the ministry of Dr. Lamb and what he does here, his influence upon students. And we just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to serve you every day, everywhere that we are, Lord, to reach out to others and to show, Lord, uh, the love of Christ, the compassion of Christ, Lord. And, um, and thank you because we can be instruments of your grace to many people, Lord, who are hurting. Thank you, Father, for this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thanks for tuning in to Surfcast with Dr. William Lamb. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Surfcast to stay updated on special guests and future episodes.